That last line, uh, let us become more aware of your presence. That is my heart's cry tonight. Let us pray. Lord, as we open your word, open our hearts and make us more aware of your presence, that these would not just be things that we read, but things that make us hungry for you. Lord, speak tonight to us and open our minds and our hearts to what you want to say, Lord, to everything you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I forgot to make a really important announcement at the very beginning. So over here in this transept uh, where these pews are, there's a prayer ministry team. And so uh, if at any point... Uh, during the service tonight, the Lord's moving in your heart and you just would like to be prayed for, whether you need prayers for healing or you just want to be refreshed by the Lord or whatever it is, just be obedient to that voice. The Lord is calling you to get prayed for by other people. He's calling you to humility and just go over there. They are so eager to pray with people. We've been praying this afternoon and we just know the Lord is going to touch people tonight. So however you feel led, just be just be obedient to the Lord and listen to what he's speaking to your heart. Um, we will have a time later where where we will um, invite people up for a sort of formal time of prayer where the prayer team is going to pray with people. Um, but just know that through this service tonight, um, as the Lord touches you in whatever way, just know that there's people over here who just want to embrace you and pray with you. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to try to preach. I'm already sort of falling apart over there. Um, I always joke around with my friend Justin, who's here tonight, that um, we both were given the spiritual gift of tears. And so thanks a lot, Lord, for that embarrassing spiritual gift. But he he's the only person I know that might cry more than I do. Um, I don't... I, <laughs> It's, I'm so excited because I f- can feel the expectation in this room tonight. And there's been an expectation going on in our church uh, just over the last uh, several months of, for the Lord to just do something amazing. There's an expectation going on, I think, across our whole country. And I think that the Lord has already begun to move in very powerful ways. And so um, what I want to do tonight is just share a little bit of my story and kind of give you some background for why is this weird priest uh, having this service at his uh, at his church that it's this service focused on uh asking the Holy Spirit to just come and touch us. So let me give you a little bit of backstory, and then I want to say, uh, share some things from Scripture, um, and, and then we'll, go, we'll get back into our time of worship. Um, I had come to a place in uh, my life and ministry uh, early in the year where um, I was just getting increasingly hungry for God, and I realized that I was um, really trying to live out the truth of Scripture um, and was really hungry for more of it, but there was a, a noticeable lack of power, like something was missing in my life. When Jesus says things like, you will do the same things that I do, you will even do greater things. Um, I read that and I was like, that's cool, but I'm not living that. Why not? And so I began to grow hungry and um, a friend of mine who uh, is up in Michigan started to tell me about this sort of charismatic Catholic group that he was involved with uh, called Encounter and some experiences that he had been having with the Holy Spirit of just feeling the presence of God so powerfully in his life during times of worship. And his stories were really piquing my interest in this person of the Trinity that we often forget exists. <laughs> and I became... Um, I came to the Lord and just began to say, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. I need you to show me what you have for me. And I just began, that just began to be the prayer of my heart. Lord, show me how I can have more of you. And then somebody invited me to an event um, that happened in Orlando in February called The Send. Was anybody here tonight at The Send? 
at Camping World Stadium. There's a few of you. Um, there's a few over here. Um, I went with my parishioners at night. The send was held at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, and it was it was a beautiful thing. We got there at night. It had been going on all day, but there were about 50,000 people gathered in Camping World Stadium to uh, to to worship together and to commit their lives to evangelism and missions. And People were being touched by the Lord. I mean, the presence of the Lord was so strong in that stadium. And the supernatural was on display. There were, there were, there were people prophesying from the stage in very profound ways. There were people being healed. There were people falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. And I thought, I have always uh, believed in a sort of supernatural Christianity, but I, for the first time, began to desire it. To see the miracles to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life and in the lives of others. I had never before had a real understanding of of baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not here to argue theology tonight. I just want to share some things from Scripture and about my experience. But I just kind of believe that you got the Holy Spirit at baptism by putting your faith in Jesus and and getting the water drizzled on you. Or I got drenched because it was a non-denominational church. Um, And then that was kind of that. But then I did believe that God would occasionally boost the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Um, but I didn't really have a theology for an actual event that might happen where you actually have this amazing, powerful encounter with God where he pours out, as scripture says, his spirit on you. And that's that's really what I want to talk about tonight is what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does scripture say about being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because that's actually the most biblical uh, way of phrasing it because that's what Jesus calls it. And like I said, I'm not interested in arguing fine points of doctrine. What I'm interested in is exploring the more that God has for all of us. Because I believe with all my heart, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is God's desire for all of his children, every single one of us, to be filled and to walk out that all the, that you, as Paul says, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. So you start in the Old Testament, and we were talking about this today in church. What's the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Well, it's kind of complicated. He's certainly there, and he comes on people sort of in temporary ways and things like that. But he's kind of in the background a lot as a person, um, and we get to sort sort of know him more in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, we see promises from like the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Joel about God pouring out his spirit on his people, that he's going to give them a new heart of flesh and put his own spirit within them. This was, a, this was a promise of something that was going to happen. It's probably part of the reason that the Israelites were so disobedient all the time is because they didn't have that just yet. And God promised that. And then we get to the New Testament and we get to the Gospels and we start to hear a lot about this person called the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of us have thought about the Holy Spirit as this kind of vague celestial force, but in the Bible, he's a person. He's a person of the Trinity. The Bible tells us he can be grieved, that he advocates for us, that he speaks truth to us, that he bears witness to Jesus. He's a person with personality and personhood that we can know and walk in relationship with. Matthew chapter 3. Very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, or we're, we're about to see Jesus be baptized, and we hear John the Baptist say to the crowds this, I baptize you with water for repentance. 
But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then we see the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus in the form of the dove. As I said this morning, the Holy Spirit's not a divine birdie. This was the form of a dove. This was the way that (laughs) this was a manifestation, the way he showed up as in the form of a dove to rest on Jesus. And then scripture tells us, Luke goes on to tell us, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the desert to do battle with the enemy. Then I, I came across this the other day in the very end of Luke's gospel. I was reading this and I've read this passage many times. It's in Luke chapter 24. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's speaking with his disciples and he says this to them. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And it didn't hit me that there's a connection between this and the Old Testament prophecies, the promise of the father that he would pour out his spirit on all of his people. Then we fast forward a little bit and Luke kind of takes us back to that story at the beginning of the book of Acts and reiterates a little bit of it for us. And there again, we see Jesus with his disciples and it says this, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, say promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these are his followers. These are his disciples. They know him. They're Christians. And Jesus says, something else is going to happen to you. And I want you to go and to wait in the city because the city is going to be the place from which my mission flows into the world. Go and wait. And they go. And they wait expectantly. But first, he's still talking with his disciples and they ask him, Lord, when, is there, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And he says, don't worry about that. Here's what you need to worry about. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Say this, Holy Spirit, power, mission. You see, that's how it works. He sends the spirit. He he comes in power. He clothes his people with power, not just so that we can have a private mystical experience, but so that we can be sent out into the world. I believe God is going to touch people tonight here with the Holy Spirit. And friends, you have to know when he does, it's not just for you. It's for the people that he's going to reach and bring to Jesus through you. You can say, amen. I know there's people in here who like responding to the preacher. We do that at Good Shepherd. (laughs) Okay, where were we? So they go and they wait. Probably a group about this size of disciples uh, praying together. They're in the city. They're obediently and expectantly waiting. And Luke tells us this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house they were sitting. This is not a gentle breeze. You know when the Holy Spirit shows up. 
and divided tongues as a fire appeared on appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled say filled filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now this is where the mission this is where the church is born this is where the mission begins this is the this is the home base and it all starts from here and they begin to speak in these other languages that they didn't know because they were galileans but there were many different uh jewish nationalities there because the jews had been spread out all across the land and they were in jerusalem some of them living there some of them for the feast of pentecost and they start hearing this crazy group of jesus followers speaking in their own tongues and they say this is crazy because we can tell by their accents that they're galileans i don't know why Galileans have southern accents, but they they just do tonight. And they're marveling at what's going on. But you see, the power, the infilling leads to witness to Jesus. They don't stay in their uh, in their upper room together and go home. This is such a wonderful mystical experience. They start to preach the gospel. You see, baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled or if you're a Catholic, resting in the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, if you're a Pentecostal, slain in the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, it has one primary purpose, to give power to the followers of Jesus so that he or she can be a bold, faithful witness to the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, why does God want to clothe us with power? Why would he want to do that? Because he has compassion on the world that he's made. Let me read you from Matthew chapter 9 and just remind you of these words so that we're never forgetting that the power of the Holy Spirit is because God so loved the world. Jesus went through all, throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When you look at the world around us that is lost, do you see sheep lost without a shepherd? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. That's what we need to do tonight, is pray that God will send us out into the harvest because it's plentiful. Back to Acts. Couple stories. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, filling in the Holy Spirit stories. Just looking at what scripture says. Some of us, I, I, I have had to reread these and put my sort of theological training on a back burner, uh, because sometimes God doesn't work according to our systematic theology. He's more of an unsystematic theologian in my experience. <clears throat> Acts chapter eight. Philip, who is a layman, he's an evangelist, yay evangelist. I know there's some in this room. He goes to Samaria and it tells us this. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Remember, these used to be enemies of the Jews and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they had heard him. 
and saw, say saw, the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Okay. This is a healing ministry and, and deliverance ministry coming through a layman. Okay. Not an apostle. Now what happens is Samaria, the Samaritans start to believe in the gospel. They believe and they actually get baptized in water. But now listen, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, received the word of God, okay, they believed, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So in this case, it, the, the sequence is something like belief, water, baptism, filling with the Holy Spirit. And all three of those things are for every believer. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But Peter, uh, then Simon, the sorcerer, he's a magician guy, a pagan, he says, it says this about Simon. Now when Simon saw, say saw, When Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles, he offered them money. And you know the story. Peter rebukes him. You can't buy this. Simon saw something. (laughs) When, When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's often the case that there are manifestations. Sometimes, as we'll see in just a minute, there's speaking in tongues, there's prophecy, there's laughter, there's joy, there's weeping in the, in the joy of the Lord. There's all kinds of things that happen and God touches everybody differently. Okay. Okay, I love this. Acts chapter 10, different order this time, okay? So now we've read our, our systematic theologians. Sorry to our systematic theologians in the room. You're very important. We love you. <laughs> now we get to Acts chapter 10 and we think, all right, we have a theology because it goes conversion, baptism, infilling of the Holy Spirit. Peter, remember the vision he sees of the, of the blanket coming down and all the uh, unclean animals? And uh, he says, no, I could never eat anything unclean. And, and God tells him, no. Go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles because I consider them clean. And so Peter goes and there's all this supernatural activity with visions and these sort of things. And he ends up at a man named Cornelius's house preaching to a room full of Gentile pagans. Okay. Preaching to pagans. And we read this. What verse is it? Who has the Bible memorized? Not me, obviously. 44 through 47. I'm trying to like work my way away from too many notes and uh, it's ugly sometimes. Ask my congregation. Acts 10, 44 through 47. This is great. Peter begins to preach the gospel to them and before he gets even finished with his sermon introduction, here's what happens. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. He didn't even finish preaching the gospel and God, because he's so hungry to give himself to people, falls on this room full of pagans. They haven't said the sinner's prayer. They haven't come up for the altar call yet and they haven't been baptized in water yet. And the Holy Spirit falls on them and listen to what happens. 
The believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter says, fill the baptismal font. We need to dunk them. And they get baptized in water after. So if anyone accused me of being anti-sacramental tonight, I am not. Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? That's his way of saying, hey, come on, deacons, make this happen. And they baptize them in water. (laughs) Filled with the Holy Spirit and, and given spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy and glorifying God. And then water baptism after that. You see, it's unsystematic. It's unsystematic. And it's beautiful. Because God is so much bigger than our ideas about him. But what's clear, what was so clear to me as I read this passage is that God wants to touch people with his power and love. He really, he can't wait to. And so as we worship him here tonight and we ask him to touch us, we don't have to beg. We don't have to get ourselves worked up to a certain level of emotionalism or fanaticism. The Lord wants to give more of himself to us. And it's more important that we trust and have faith in that than we try to get ourselves all worked up. Amen. If you're not sure if you've experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled or being slain or being resting in the spirit, you shouldn't feel guilty. God doesn't want you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel hungry. Bible scholar Gordon Fee Uh, He says this, he says, I think it is fair to note that if there is one thing that differentiates the early church from its 20th century, this is a little old article, 20th century counterpart, it is in the level of awareness and experience of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Ask any number of people today from all sectors of Christendom to define or describe Christian conversion or Christian life and the most noticeable feature of that definition would be its general lack of emphasis on the active dynamic role of the Holy Spirit. Ouch. Right? It's one of those, ah, thanks. If you haven't experienced this or you don't know or you haven't had something powerful like that happen to you, it doesn't mean you're not saved because it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. It just means that God has more power that he wants to clothe you with for life and for ministry. So, uh, back to my story. Uh, after the send... I got really hungry and I believed that, um, I think the Lord wanted to touch me in a powerful way. And so I got on the phone with some friends and I said, Hey, will you come here like on a Saturday afternoon and lay hands on me and pray for me? Some Pentecostal charismatically minded, uh, friends. And they said, Oh yes. (laughs) And so, uh, I'll just tell you what happened. We're in my office and uh, I was talking and sharing with them. I said, I think the Lord's been giving me some prophetic dreams about some things. I've never had this thing happen. And they were kind of like, oh, yes, well, that probably means this. And they were helping me with all of that. And then I said, and I was in my office and I was praying really fervently the other day for Good Shepherd and for the church. And my spirit couldn't keep up or my mouth couldn't keep up with my spirit. I was praying so fast and so fervently. And I heard myself say something I didn't even expect. And I said, Lord, give me a tongue. And I started speaking in a language I'd never heard before. Okay. <laughs> I'm one of those crazy ones. And I didn't even know what to do with it, but I thought, holy crap, I think I'm speaking in tongues. 
<laughs> and I just ended up having this time by myself with the Lord in the office, just just sort of weeping in his presence and just was just so much joy. So they, they said, well, the Lord's already begun to do something, but we're just going to keep praying for you. And so they laid hands on me and I was sitting in my chair and it was really powerful and I was moved. I thought, well, nothing really huge is happening and that's okay. It doesn't always huge happen. But then I felt really like I had to uh, kneel. I just felt like I really want to kneel before the Lord Jesus right now. And so at some point they kind of stopped their prayers and I said, can I just kneel and then you guys can keep praying for me? And so they said, yeah. And I just knelt in my office and um, I had memorized, thanks to my, my friend Ben, uh, Psalm 63. And I was like this sitting in my office and they were their hand they were uh, laying hands on me from behind and i began to pray psalm 63 which says oh god you are my god earnestly i seek you Uh, my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water and uh before i could even get through those first few lines um uh all heaven broke loose (laughs) on me and i began to weep and I began to start to feel sensations like electricity going through my body. And the power and presence of Jesus was so real for the first time in a way that I'd never experienced it. That I just sat there and I wept and I laughed a little bit and I kept praying with them. <laughs> and then after about 10 minutes, everything just kind of came to this peaceful lull and it was just silent. Actually, the funny part is, is that I have French doors in my office and as I was uh, praying and, and, and rejoicing and praising God and I'm lifting my hands and I'm like, I feel like the Lord's grabbing my hands right now. There's electricity. Um, there's a landscaping guy with one of these right outside of the doors and he's got to be looking in like... And I'm like, I don't even care, Lord, just touch him right now with your Holy Spirit because he needs you to. I just had so much joy because, you know, Paul says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I was set free from fear, from holding back, from shame, from guilt, from what people, the landscaping guys thought about me. I wouldn't have cared if you all were standing at the doors looking in. It wouldn't have mattered because I just didn't care because Jesus was so powerfully present. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so then, uh, life got crazy. You can ask my congregation. I think they've all kind of been like, what is going on with this guy? <laughs> but I'll tell you, you see, like I said, it, well, it's not about a private mystical experience. It, 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 the Lord does want to touch you and give you an amazing experience. But it's about the witness that flows from it. And I preached a lot. You can, you can ask my congregation, oh my gosh, he never shuts up about evangelism and talking about Jesus, <laughs> talking to people about Jesus. But I did very little of it myself. Until I was touched by the Lord in that way. And I'm telling you what, I barely even have to try when I'm out in public. Because I'm telling you, there's something when the whole, when you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, people are attracted to God, not you, in you. And I have prayed with more people than I can count in the last three months and seen Jesus touch people. <laughs> my, my one somebody who was the lady who was cutting my hair was sharing her story about just going through a very difficult divorce and and not knowing what was next in life and all these things. And I was just telling her, man, you know what? I love this is why I love Jesus because he just he died for our sins. But you know what? He can heal our emotions in those painful situations and stuff. By the end of the haircut, she's over there weeping. She says, just a minute. She's weeping and I'm watching the Lord just all over her. You know, and all I did was just said, Jesus loves you. You know, he, he can heal that experience of brokenness, you know, but there's, there's been a new boldness in my life. that's not coming from me. It's coming from him. 
This is why he says, go and wait, because you will be clothed with power, not from yourself, from on high. And the power comes from on high. And I don't know about you, but I am excited to see God's church come alive. Not just Good Shepherd. We're not just here tonight just for Good Shepherd. This is about the church across the globe. But I believe that God will touch people here at Good Shepherd tonight who will go on to touch other people, who will touch other people, who will touch other people, and we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen? Let's just, let's pray for that. Lord, you are so awesome. And again, we just take a moment to honor your presence. Lord, every song that we sing tonight and every scripture we read from your inspired word, you are worthy to hear it from our lips. So we ask, Lord, that you would give us that freedom that you want us to have, that all fear and anxiety would just be gone from this room right now, and that we would have a new freedom that we didn't even have for the first three songs, to lift our hands, our hearts to you, Lord. And some of us are struggling in this room tonight with that fear, and some of us have been battling with sin, and some of us have been battling with being dry in our spiritual lives, and we need a fresh touch from you. And some of us are here, some of us here are just here because we're so grateful because we've experienced a healing recently, and we want to just let you come in into the deepest places of who we are and touch us so that we can go and tell other people about how wonderful and how compassionate and how gracious you are. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and we give the rest of this time to you and ask you to move in our midst. We love you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name.